be seated, everyone, and please take your Bibles and turn uh, with me, if you are able, to Genesis uh, chapter 17. Uh, Genesis chapter 17, uh, you find that on page 11 of your pew Bible. Genesis 17. Uh, next time we'll be returning to the Gospel of Mark, but as we uh, we're able to witness the uh, sacrament of baptism today. Uh, it's good for us to uh, be reminded of what the scripture teaches uh, about this wonderful covenant of grace uh, into which uh, we see the sign being applied upon John and Ethan today as well. I'm going to read uh, for us Genesis 17, the first uh, 14 verses uh, as our scripture uh, today. This is the word of the living God. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for his help. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the glorious song that we could sing uh, together. So as we come uh, to your word uh, again uh, today, filled with uh, glory on every page, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to see some of the wonder uh, of this covenant of grace uh, even today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, one of my uh, great regrets of this past summer was that I never did uh, make it to the, uh, the Cowtown Rodeo. Um, ever since we first visited last fall, I thought, okay, it's not open now, uh, but next year when we're here for the summer, I'm going to get there. Uh, and no, I didn't. I did not get there, and I uh, wish I did. Uh, I suspect Jonna, though, and Ethan will one day get to that uh, Cowtown Rodeo. And uh, when they do, uh, they will probably see, I suspect, cattle there. And uh, at some point, they might notice uh, on the cattle uh, symbols, pictures, markings, perhaps, uh, that are unique 
cattle uh, from a certain farm. And uh, John and Ethan might ask their mom and dad, um, what are those marks for? And uh, Jack and Lauren uh, will tell John and Ethan, well, that is a, that is a brand. And uh, then the children will ask, well, why do farmers brand their cattle? And John and Ethan will, or uh, Jack and Lauren will probably say something like this. Well, it proves uh, who they belong to. It keeps, uh, keeps thieves from stealing them away. And it's also a permanent, permanent mark that cannot be erased. And uh, I'd like to think that maybe that, that conversation at the Cowtown Rodeo uh, will lead the Denham family into a conversation uh, about baptism. Uh, whenever we have the opportunity to witness the sacrament of baptism instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ, we're reminded uh, and are to be reminded of the amazing grace of our covenant God. Uh, like circumcision in the Old Testament, baptism in the New Testament is that sign and seal uh, whereby God puts his mark upon our life, his claim upon our life, a mark and a claim uh, that will always be upon us and that will always be with us wherever we go. Uh, the physical mark, of course, of circumcision was a permanent uh, sign upon God's covenant people. No matter where they went, the mark of God was upon them. It reminded them of who they were and who they belonged to. Um, it proved their ownership. Even, or should we say, especially at those times when they turned away or followed away from God, when thieves were trying to steal them away from the Lord, uh, it would remind them, this mark on their body, it would remind them uh, that they, they bore the very claim of God upon themselves. And they belong actually to Him. And so in the New Covenant, God continues to mark out his people. God continues to place his claim on the lives of his people, setting them apart, marking them out from the rest of the world. First Corinthians 7 says that the child of even one believing parent is holy or set apart to the Lord. So we want to look this morning uh, at the amazing grace of our covenant God. First, we want to think about the priority uh, of grace. The priority of grace. When something has the priority, it means it comes before anything else. To have the priority in time uh, or in importance means uh, uh, whatever has priority has first place. It's where we begin. Now, there's no question that in the life of Abraham, uh, in the life of Abraham, the grace of God has the priority. Uh, back a few chapters in Genesis 12, when Abram was 75 years old, the Bible says the Lord appeared to him when he was an idolater in the land of Haran among amidst the people, his own family and uh, the greater culture, uh, worshipped uh, idols. And God told him to leave his country, his family, his father's household, go to the land that God would show him. Uh, it must have been quite a conversation because the Bible says in Genesis 12, right after God speaks, the Bible just says, so Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and he takes his wife and his possessions, uh, his animals, his family, and he trusts and obeys the Lord. And here in Genesis 17, uh, Abram is now 99 years old. The Lord reveals himself to Abram. Uh, he tells him to walk before him and be blameless. He confirms his covenant with Abram in these words. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you 
uh, greatly. And God reaffirms his promise. You'll be the father of many nations. You're going to be very fruitful. Nations and kings are going to come from you. Uh, in fact, uh, back in Genesis 12, uh, verse 3, God promised Abram that in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, and there was this promised seed that was going to come. Uh, and through that seed, through his seed, all the families of the earth. And that seed, of course, would be the Lord Jesus. In Genesis 15, God took Abram outside uh, to look up uh, at the stars. You remember what he says to him in uh, chapter 15, verse 5, where the Lord says he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And then here in verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. But in all these dealings, here's the thing, in all of God's dealings with Abram, we see the priority uh, of God's grace. That is, God is first. He's first to act. He's first to come to Abram. Abram did not seek out God. God sought out Abram. Abram did not say to God, thanks for the offer of a relationship with you, God, but I'll have to think it over and get back to you. Uh, no, he didn't say that. God said, uh, I will establish my covenant with you. The eight-day-old male baby did not ask God to be circumcised, but God commanded his parents to have him circumcised. You may have noticed this morning, uh, John and Ethan didn't ask for baptism. <laughs> um, but their parents are believers, and God graciously gives the sign of the covenant to believers uh, and their children. And he commands us to give them that sign. But God comes to Abram in his grace. God takes the initiative. God establishes this relationship. The priority of grace, the priority of God acting first. Um, think about that story of the Philippian jailer we read earlier this morning. We again see the grace of God taking priority or center stage. It was God's grace that brought Paul and Silas to that specific jail. It was God's grace that brought the earthquake. It was God's grace that kept Paul and Silas in the jail. It was God's grace that kept this man from killing himself. It was God's grace that compelled this man to seek the way of salvation. It was God's grace that brought salvation to his house. God's grace has the priority. God establishes a relationship with us. That's what it means, friends, to live in covenant with God. Always mindful of the priority of grace. God promises to be a God to us and to our children. God comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And God calls us to faith in Jesus Christ. God works in us by His grace. The faith by which we embrace Him. And the Bible says no one comes to the Father unless uh, the Father draws Him. The priority of grace. Ephesians 1, 3, 4 puts it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Jesus told His disciples in John 15, 16, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you 
that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Or as Paul simply put it in 1 Corinthians 15, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Simply this, first of all, God comes uh, to us. We do not enter um, a castle, throne room, and uh, offer to be a friend of the king. Imagine in the Middle Ages you were a peasant maybe out in the field and you said, well, today I'm going to offer myself to be a friend of the king. And so you walked into the castle uh, and uh, you say, I demand, a, I demand a, an audience with the king. Leave, leave me into the throne room. And you say to the king, king, I would love to have a relationship with you. It doesn't work that way. Instead, the Bible's picture is the king leaves the castle, goes out into the field and finds you and said, I... I'm going to establish a relationship uh, with you. Now, you know this. If you're a believer, you know this to be true in your life. The priority of God's grace. God came to you and opened your eyes. No one seeks God, the Bible says, but we are found by Him. And friends, baptism reminds us of the priority of the grace of God in covenant with him, And that is what, my, what we must teach our covenant children. They do not grow up waiting. Uh, you know, John and Ethan are not going to grow up waiting to have a relationship with God. They already do. Uh, God has already claimed them as his own. You are in a relationship already, John and Ethan. Our covenant children do not wait for a time when they will then join the church. No. God has already claimed them as His own. And they are a part. You heard. You heard Elder Kevin charge us. We're to come alongside the parents. Well, because these, these children have received the sign that they are already a part of the church. They're already a member of this church. And one day, uh, they will, by God's grace, put their faith in the Lord Jesus and embrace Him as, as their own. But they're already a part of God's family because He and His grace has already made that claim. Well, secondly, let's look at the, the promise of grace. So that's the priority of grace. Well, what actually is the promise? Well, verse 7 says in Genesis 17, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Well, what is that? Here's the promise. Um, to be God to you, and to your offspring after you. Uh, this, is, this is his covenant. To be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourners for all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. This is the, this is the promise. When God called Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt in Exodus 6, this was the message God gave him. He said, say to the people of Israel... I'm the Lord. Does that sound familiar? God comes to Abraham and says, I am God Almighty. I'm the Lord in Exodus 6. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I'll deliver you from slavery to them. And I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm. And with a great axe of judgment, I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. In the book of Leviticus, when the Lord is describing to the people how they might approach a holy God, as we've been learning uh, in the evening services, even though they're sinful, how's this going to work? Well, the Lord makes this amazing promise in Leviticus 26. He's going to make His dwelling with them. I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. The time of Jeremiah, 
when God's people had sinned and fallen away from the Lord, Jeremiah was called upon by God to cry out in the streets. He had to go through the streets and remind the people. What of this? What was he going to cry out? He would cry out this. This command uh, I gave them. Obey my voice and I will be your God. You shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I command you that it may be well with you. The same promise. And after... God's people have been exiled from the promised land because of their sin and rebellion against God. The Lord yet holds out for them again uh, this hope and this promise of a new day coming in the book of Ezekiel. And it goes like this. I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the countries, bring you into your own land. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh Give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And then this, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your forefathers and you shall be my people. And I will be your God. This is the covenant promise throughout the scripture. And of course, in the time of the New Testament, in the Gospel of John. Uh, uh, the fulfillment of that promise is revealed to us when John says this, the Word, that's Jesus, the Word became flesh and uh, dwelt among us. With us. Our God and we His, we His people. Peter put it wonderfully this way. He writes of you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, no longer Israel, As a nation state, the church is a chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's the only holy nation in the the new covenant. It's the people of God. It's the church. And they're described this way. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim his excellencies who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Well, why all those uh, quotes from the Bible? Well, simply to show that throughout the Bible, the promise of God in the covenant is this. I, I will be your God, and you will belong to me. In fellowship, in faithfulness, in love. Now, I find this pretty amazing. I wonder if you do. The promise is this from the Lord. I will give you myself and, um, and you <laughs> will give yourself to me. That uh, is uh, what is promised. It's a promise of fellowship and communion and love and intimacy. It's a promise to know uh, and be known by God. This is important. God doesn't promise in the covenant. He doesn't promise us houses and cars and trips around the world. Now, we might have those things. And those are good things. Uh, He doesn't promise a trouble-free and pain-free and suffering-free and persecution-free life. And you know that from living here under the sun. He doesn't promise us any of the things of this world which will one day pass away. Instead, (laughs) did you catch this? Instead, in the Bible... God promises true life, that is eternal life, which Jesus says is to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. In other words, the promise is 
He promises us Himself. I will be your God. And you will be my people. That's what it is to, to live in covenant with God. He is faithful to His promise. And we are called to be faithful to Him. But here's the, here's, this is the blessing, you see. Communion and fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the gift of God. Yesterday morning at men's breakfast, we talked about how, um, how a person's view of God is impacted by our, uh, by our own experience with our own Father, of course. And what we think about God today as professing believers is impacted uh, by our own experience of what a Father is. And how many of us, if given the choice, think about this, if you were given the choice, how many of us would choose gifts uh, and toys that break and disappear from your father? How many of you would prefer that uh, over the gift of a father's love and embrace and faithfulness? I don't think anybody would choose Legos over the father himself, right? Loving, caring, watching over us. This is what is promised to us. Brothers and sisters, this is the promise of God. I will be your God. You will be my people. This is what it means to be in covenant with God. The priority of grace, the promise of grace. uh, And this promise is made to you at your baptism. He will never leave you or forsake you. And we bear the sign and seal of that promise on our life. And so if you don't think, uh, if you think that God doesn't care about your life or that He's not so concerned about you, you need to remember that God has already placed His mark upon you and made this promise to you, I will be your God. And so if you doubt His love and His grace and His mercy, uh, it is good to think on your baptism. The Lord has already made His promise to you. If you doubt His love for your children, uh, remember God's promise. And this is what we need to teach the children of this church. They belong to God. And God is faithful. And we need to respond in faithfulness to Him. But our children belong, first of all, to Him. This is the promise. I will be your God. You will be my people. That's important for all of us, of course, because that has to do with our identity. That we belong to God. We are His treasured possession. We are a holy nation. A holy nation of believers who have been called out of darkness into the light. That is the holy nation of which we are a part. We are, first of all, Christian. We're not, first of all, American. We're not, first of all, Canadian. Um, uh, We don't belong to the culture. We don't belong to the state. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And that's what it means to to be in covenant with Him. You know this. I belong to Him. And He has given Himself to me. And He's promised to be faithful. Well, the priority of grace, the promise of grace, one last thing. What about the, the possession of grace? So the Bible tells us God will have a people for Himself. He's promised to be our God and the God of our children. He's entered into a covenant relationship with us. And He's promised that all those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will know the, the amazing, wonderful blessing of that covenant relationship. Abraham believed God. The Philippian jailer, we're told in Acts 16, 
believed God? Do you believe God's promise today? I will be your God and you will be my people. And so the question really this morning is, well, how will Jonah and Ethan or any of us enjoy the blessing of this promise of God giving himself to us? How do we actually enjoy the blessings of that promise? Well, the Bible's answer everywhere is by responding in faith to the one God's provided in the Lord Jesus. In Acts 16, we read it this morning, Luke gives us that fascinating, joyful account of the conversion of the Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas in prison, you know, they're singing songs of praise to God. Earthquake shakes the jail. Foundations are shaken uh, and all the doors fly open. Prisoners chains loose. Jailer wakes up. Uh, he's in a panic knowing that if, uh, uh, you know, when, he, when, when, the, when the boss comes, uh, he's, he's going to be in trouble if any of these prisoners are missing. Surely they're all going to leave. He's got to die. He's going to take his own life. As he draws the sword to kill himself, grace of God intervenes. Paul shouts out, no prisoners gone. Uh, and the jailer is the jailer simply overwhelmed by what has happened. And so God's grace is already having its effect in his life uh, because he comes humbly trembling before Paul and Silas and says, Sirs, and he comes really, doesn't he? He comes to where every single one of us has to come at some point in our life. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas, of course, respond to the jailer's question with the now familiar phrase, believe in, or literally believe into, believe into the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Wonderful thing, of course, about this, these verses, and that's why we read it uh, this morning, is the Bible says that they, you know, the Philippian jailer welcomes them into the house, and his family's there, and all, they hear the word, all of them are baptized. Uh, but the very last word of that is that uh, the jailer and all his household rejoiced uh, because he had come to believe in God. That passage is not then saying, uh, and all rejoice because every single member of the family put their faith in the Lord Jesus. It doesn't say that. It says the whole family's baptized, they're rejoicing together because, as says Luke writing here in Acts, because he had believed in God. Singular, masculine. This man, this head of the household, comes to believe in Jesus Christ and his whole family, whoever's there, whatever age, receive that covenant sign. And blessing, salvation has come to that house. And it came uh, through the jailer putting his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And whoever was in that house, as they heard the word, they too would need to come to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We read it in Genesis 17. What is the covenant? Well, the covenant is this, says the Lord in verse 10. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Give the sign of this covenant to your children so that they will always know that they belong to me, but also that they would always know that they are called to respond in faith and repentance and obedience to the God of the covenant. How do we know that? Well, we know that because the Apostle Paul, uh, in Romans 2, uh, wonderfully 
tells us what this what what the sacraments are all about and what we are supposed to take from them. He's talking to the Jews in Romans chapter two, and he says something pretty shocking. If you were a Jew in the day, uh, he says this: For no one is a Jew. Oh, what's he going to say? For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Nor, he says, is circumcision outward and physical. And they would have been saying, what? (laughs) It certainly is. It hurts. (laughs) But what's Paul saying? He says, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise that is someone who is circumcised within. His praise is not from men. Oh, that's great, you got circumcised. No. His praise, washed, cleansed within, is from God. We could, we could, we could read it this way on a, on a baptism morning. For no one is a Christian. No one is a Christian who is merely one outwardly. Nor is baptism outward and physical. You say, well, I just saw it. Well, yeah. That's the side of what has to happen within. For no one uh, is a Christian who is merely one outwardly, nor is baptism outward and physically, but a Christian. A Christian is one inwardly, and baptism is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Whether it was in the Old Testament or in the New, the sign and seal of the covenant of grace never by itself saved anybody, but it always called everybody who received that sign to not simply be content with an external circumcision, an external washing, but knowing that that the blessings of, of fellowship with God only comes when there is that internal washing, that internal cutting away of sin that can only be done by the Holy Spirit of God. And that is what we pray for in the life of John Caitlin Denham and Ethan Fox Denham and what we pray for for every single one of us here who has ever in their life received that sign, whether it's an adult, Or as a child, it means the same. A word from God. You belong to me. I promised you myself. And that you would be my people. And that what I'm I'm signifying in this sign today has to to happen within. need to be washed only by the blood, the work, the life, the death, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what your baptism points me to. Uh, points you to. And so, friends, may we indeed, like the jailer, uh, put our faith in the Lord Jesus and experience the blessings of communion with God Himself. May that be true of us. Let's pray uh, together. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, Your your Word is wide. Uh, Your Word is deep. And Lord, we are weak men and women. And so, Lord, we pray today that even as we try as best we can to be in your word and to hear you speak to us these great truths.
of what it means to be in covenant with you, our faithful God, and what these signs point to today. For the Denham family, but for all of us, Lord, we pray that we would be reminded uh, of the priority of grace, that we would be uh, reminded of the promise of grace, you yourself, and that we would be reminded, too, that in order to enjoy the possession of grace, Lord, you've called us to respond to all that you've already said to us in our baptism by putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that we might not only have that external sign of washing, oh, but that we would know what it means to be washed within. Oh, may it be so, dear Lord, today, for our eternal good uh, and for your eternal glory. We pray it in Jesus' name.